It's in the danger zone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Ooh, sorry. No, sorry. We're sorry we're laughing. It's just that was bad timing. Sorry Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to another edition of the BIHA podcast. Uh, first of season three, Nick. Nick is in the driver's seat quite literally. <laughs> Hi Rambo, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Um so uh, Nick, we're on our way down to uh, Sheffield right now. I think we're going to your your mum and dad's house. Uh, are the baked goods on the cards? Well, I heard there is cake available, and also in the uh, when you were debating against Andy's dog or cake, I I probably don't have to now supply cake, so I'm guessing there will be. Oh, that sounds that sounds good to me. Um, we're going down for the uh, EIHA AGM. We obviously can't discuss much about what's going to happen there because we don't really know at this time um, but um, it's exciting because this is a season now in full swing we're driving um, after 11 o'clock at night so that's pretty much hockey season started are you uh, excited for another go round? yeah another season it's probably seemed like a really short summer but it's here again and uh, ready to go national seems like uh, only a couple of weeks since. yeah it, does, it doesn't seem that long um, since the, I was uh, sat in your, your living room after a long day at a coaching course doing the last oh, podcast of the season before. Yeah, I, to be honest, when was that? When was that? Like, first week in May? June. June. Really? June? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, it's not been that long then, but um, yeah, it's strange. Turn over the page, a new season, and new registrations, and obviously uh, results day the other day, and everyone's starting to maybe start to pull together their teams it's an exciting time yeah um, and uh, there's uh, obviously I think uh, there's a lot of people um, maybe started back on ice are you guys back on ice yet? we are indeed we started the first week in uh, first week in August with a bit of a social um, uh, social skate session in terms of just a bit of a scrimmage even had um, even had some of the Wildcats join us which is uh, building bridges building bridges oh uh, well, keep your enemies close, huh? Something like that. <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, we we um, the last we obviously did the podcast was uh, the first the first uh, and second of June. Then, since then, of course, we had uh, we met again at the uh, the best school testimonial tournament. I uh, I know that it's not necessarily a BIG tournament. But should we give a little a little review of that? I think we should. I, I I'll let you go first, Rambo. I'll let you open up. It was your show. Oh, it was not my show, it was Beth Schoon's show. Well, half and half. <laughs> um, so, uh, as many of you know, Beth Schoon is, uh, I think the, the word legend gets used an awful lot, but in the BIHA, in terms of female players, I think she's up there with certainly one of the best, some of the best female players I've ever yeah, played in uni hockey. Legend, icon, whatever you want to call her, like she, she fits the bill of what uh, that role, role model and uh, trendsetter and... Uh, Something for the future generations to aspire to. Yeah, and so uh, as 
many maybe don't know uh, Best's university uh, career was coming to an end uh, she had been instrumental in the setting up of the Steel Queens and um, played many many good seasons for the Eagles her last university uh, sanctioned match I guess if you want to put it that way was winning the cup final with Cambridge so it's a fitting way to end her, end her career on that front um, but we couldn't let her go without making a big song and dance about it so we had a tournament at Murrayfield and uh, Nick you uh, you were the winning uh, coach, the winning gaffer if you will um, so uh, tell us a bit about your squad and uh, and bringing that, that BIHA team together um, Still feeling pretty smug about the whole occasion because well Rambo you kind of general managed and picked me a team which uh, just happened to come together like a dream really in terms of uh, it's very rare that you, you get given a team like that with so much talent but then also with so many girls who are just happy to be there number one which I think makes the biggest difference and then just open to kind of uh, different things in terms of playing with different teammates and getting to know different people and it all kind of came together like it, I said to the girls at the start that um, we were there for Beth and there for the, there for the experience and to and to have a good time, but in the same way, there's there's nothing more fun than winning, and uh, and they bought into it, and we and we we got there in the end. I'd love to claim that it was my expert coaching, but um, I had some pretty uh, pretty special players. Yeah, and talking about some of those players, and just more to talk about them, where they came from as well, to celebrate um, a day that was a celebration of Beth Skin's university career, but also a celebration, I would say, of women's hockey um, across the board, and uh, I would. I would say notable mention uh, you the goaltender for the weekend for uh, came all the way from Kent by herself uh, to play in the game was absolutely outstanding so Naima Healy uh, thanks very much for doing that I'm sure you were quite pleased to have her Nick uh, the rumours is she's still standing on her head right now <laughs> um, and then uh, of course you had the the, uh, the ever famous um, and full GB cap uh well, two full GB caps in uh, Louise Adams and Steph Towns. Um, and may I say, having watched the GB uh, tournament closely and kept a close eye on it, uh, Steph Towns and Louise Adams well-deserved GB caps um, from everything I watched. Um, the two of them absolutely lit up the show. Yeah, it was... I, I talked to both of them about how, obviously, they wanted to play that weekend and kind of, did they want to play together? Did they want to play separately? And they, they made it quite clear that I was in charge, and they wanted to. They wanted to let me make the decisions, but it didn't take very long to realise that those two were just an electric pair together. That it's there was an embarrassment of riches on the team, and especially like they were the they were the cream on top of everything else, really. Yeah, and of course there were a couple of the, the other teams that came up. We had the uh, Kingston Diamonds that came up, yeah. um, that's best uh, league team, um, and she played for them. She played all but one game over the weekend. <laughs> Oh, over the over the, the Saturday, the Sunday, Monday. keep saying weekend, um, and then uh, we had uh, the um, the Nottingham Vipers came up. Uh, both were a bit short bench, so they, they borrowed players at times. So some yeah. girls got extra game time. Yeah. Uh, Beth Milne as well, another person who played quite a lot of hockey um, over the course of the day. Um, but uh, the one thing I would say that I did completely wrong in that day was when Kingston needed to borrow a couple of extra players <laughs> um, went and got Louise and Steph to play for Kingston who scored five of the seven goals they scored against the Steel Queens in I think what was a 7-2 or a 7-3 game yeah <laughs> that, that was not perhaps your wisest decision 
decision that you've ever made. But it was very fair, and you were very fair to Kingston, but perhaps strategically not the best decision you've ever made. And then, of course, uh, we... <laughs> Well, Louise and uh, Steph played against us right after that game because we had a back-to-back game again not oh, very fair to us that was a really good game with the BHA team we finished 3-2 and possibly one of the best games I've seen Mary play um, in yeah, her career 100%. and uh, she was disappointed she let in a goal from Louise Adams which no it was from Steph Town sorry it was assisted by Louise Adams which pretty much I've seen Louise do too goalies have been playing about 10-15 years so um, it just shows you how in the zone Mary was for that yeah that was, as the, well. uh, that was the short side wasn't it, the short, that's yeah. the short side yeah. that was un- unbelievable and, and essentially to me that, that just showed that tournament that there's a there's a good quality of of female player in the in the BHA that we, you know there was league players there was GB cap players but people were holding their own and getting stuck in and uh, yeah of course the GB cap players stood out um, and Steph and Louise but there was you know a lot to a lot of talent on all the other teams too yeah it was a great tournament in terms of just even as a spectator with the other games going on it went around quick in terms of rotating through the teams but especially when you got to see like there was no team left short bench that meant that they couldn't compete they were always given given players and they were good games in terms of there was a as a spectacle and as someone who was part of the day it was it was really it was a really good product to be part of. And did you get your goodie bag in the changing room? No. Ah, that's because you're not a player. Did you not get your orange and your your can of beer? No, I, I didn't get any. Ah, that's a shame. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then um, of course there was uh, just to, to clarify where some people came from. There was uh, we said Kent. There was one. There was players from London. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a, a good few from uh, the Newcastle, Northumbria area. Yeah. Um, Oxford, Sheffield, yeah. Sheffield uh, Nottingham, um, Manchester. Alice Horsfield came from Manchester, I think, by herself. Yeah. Um, so. You know, there was people who were keen to, to come and play in the tournament, and I definitely think uh, it's worth again uh, maybe at some point trying to get some kind of some more BIHA invitational games and get get people together, um, which is something that we know we can do now. So we'll we'll look into that and we'll we'll we'll, we'll table that for another day. BIHA invitational on tour. Yeah. Lash, lash, lash. <laughs> Chippy Lane. Now you're speaking my language. Um, so, Nick, uh, I think uh, I w- I'd like this season 2019-2020 to be the season of the hero. Uh, first and foremost, um, the Rugby World Cup time, so I'd like Stuart Hogg to be the hero. But um, beyond that, in just hockey and stuff as well, but there's one lad that was a hero from last year, Nick. Um, and I think it's, it's a fitting time to talk about heroes in a guy that we both came to love over the, t- the course of the weekend at Nationals. Rory the Butcher um, and Rory was up in Edinburgh and I got to meet the guy and uh, speak to him all about the different things he does he's into uh, dressing up as a sort of Napoleon soldier and going playing war games and stuff so um, he'll explain that more in this interview that we have but uh, yeah so uh, here's Rory the Butcher Hi, I'm joined with uh, Rory the Butcher, as you know him, uh, the legend from Tier 6 Nationals in 2019. Rory, how are you doing? I'm good, yeah. I'm loving Edinburgh. It's lovely and sunny today. 
and yeah, it's all, it's all nice and warm. Without giving uh, anything away, you shouldn't. Why are you in Edinburgh um, this week? Uh, so I'm doing some research for my master's degree. Um, got to sit inside of the public records office for four whole days. And uh, is that a bit disappointing considering that we should be having Scotland's only summer? <laughs> it's been, yeah, it's been in, in, interesting to be inside looking outside and seeing the sun sort of gradually eclipse through the, crowd, through the clouds. So it's been, yeah, it's nice to be up in Edinburgh, I've got to say. Um, and uh, of course, uh, you, uh, you became famous uh, at Nationals this year. Um, in BIHA circles, that is. Um, tell us a bit about your hockey journey. So my hockey journey really has been, so a couple of years ago, I lived in Vancouver on study abroad. I got the opportunity to go study abroad, so I went to Vancouver. And while I was there, got the opportunity to go and go and see the, the Canucks play. I think it was the Flyers. And I was, oh, the Canucks, yay, they lost something like 5-2 or something insane. Um, but sort of got into it there. And of course, when you're in Canada, it, it filters through. So I, I sort of began to pick up more of it seeing in sports bars when I came back I thought that's it I enjoyed it maybe keep up with it a bit here and there but the time zone is eight hours away to watch the Canucks play I've got no reason to and then I came to Canterbury for my master's degree and I thought there's a hockey team here I shall have a go what's the worst that can happen <laughs> um, and started skating I have a skate before in my life and I thought I'd have a go and I sort of began to enjoy and it was good fun I thought you know what while I'm here I should have a go at trying goalie why not? It's an opportunity I'll get not really very often. So I said to the team, do you mind if I play goalie? And they said, oh yeah, sure. Uh, I then had an injury over Christmas, sadly, um, which was resolved by mid-February. So I began playing training in goal for late February. I've ended up playing at Nationals rather bizarrely. Okay, and of course, uh, probably your, your best defining moment at Nationals was the uh, the first game against Hull. That's where you got the, the nickname, which is basically just the word the in the middle of your actual name. Um, but uh, how, how did that feel? Was that your first? That was your first ever game of hockey as well, is that right? My first ever game of hockey playing, and that was a really peculiar experience. I say like, my, 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 my second experience, my first game, we had a friendly sort of, I think, or a lot of a knock around with people, and that was um, good fun, but I was a player. My first proper game in goal was at Nationals and was Hull and was a very peculiar experience. I remember so many times thinking, oh, I made, I made a mistake there. Oh, I did that wrong. Oh, I could have been more aggressive there. I'm watching, re-watching it again and again. I, I said to you earlier, the, the, the clip of me sliding, falling over my right leg and just leaning across the goal in a desperate attempt to catch the shot that was coming. It was all a very surreal experience and coming off messages from so many people afterwards from friends and family of the team going, that was amazing. Um, and re-watching the commentary with you, in fact, and Nick, was rather surreal, I've got to say. It was a really good experience. I'm glad to come out of that first game. I felt so happy and so like I'd done the team proud. <laughs> um, and then uh, you obviously you played some other games. You, you maybe peaked a little bit in the whole game, but how was the rest of the Nationals experience outside of the rink as well? Oh. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, the whole was definitely the best game, and it sort of went downhill from there. Let in three against UEA, and then the Sunday we lost, what, six and four nil against... Uh, Leeds and Nottingham, I think. Um, so that was, it was a more of a sobering thought, and sort of because I've read so much about, you know, being being goal is so important to be aware of your emotions and keeping them in check. So that was a really good experience to have the high and the low. For me, certainly as a first tournament, to have that. But the whole experience was amazing. Um, it was uh, interesting seeing how many people were taking a a more loose attitude to um, to after drinking in the, uh, the Saturday night. And I was thinking, I'm, I'm not going to get that much because I want to be on it for the Sunday. And I'm realising that no one was really on a Sunday. But the whole experience was wonderful. It was a really lovely way to learn how to play hockey and how hockey is perceived in Britain and the student community. So it was 
a really good experience and I'm glad I did it even though I definitely peaked in that whole game <laughs> and uh, obviously outside of hockey you've got some uh, other interesting hobbies do you want to tell us a bit about those <laughs> so uh, my main hobby love as it were will always be historical reenactment I've been, I watched Sharp when I was 13 or something and wanted to go and do that for real <laughs> so I started doing Napoleonic as British as a red coat to Wellington's army I've done that for almost seven years now actually um, and then a couple of years ago this was 2015 um, the big anniversary of Waterloo but also the anniversary of Battle of Agincourt some friends of mine in the Parliament unit said we should go and do Agincourt so I went they did Agincourt as well and then since then I've done more and more stuff I, I, I sort of full contact medieval fighting with swords and shields and even as I speak I've got a bruise on my cheek from a shield um, I also started the shield knot this year as well uh, Napoleonic I'm, I'm doing German and French too so, so I, I, I even as a treat a couple of years ago we decided to do the Alamo so I'm a Mexican as well if I really fancy it so that's a really interesting hobby to do in comparison to hockey, to hockey and other academic work too and uh, in terms of uh, levels of, uh, of fear um, what, what's more frightening uh, take, taking a big slap shot from from one of these boys or uh, or getting chased by a sword with a sword oh I've got to say the slap shot <laughs> the sword I can rely on myself to take nice big 14 gauge helmet um, slap shots I, I'm terrified I genuinely one of the first it must have been the first goal from Leeds where I just panicked I had no idea what was happening <laughs> and that really hasn't changed there were some slap shots I can see going I'm ready for it and some of them I I, I guess <laughs> so yeah slap shots are definitely scarier but swords are swords I can react and do something with slap shots I just have to hope for the best excellent and uh you um you, now you explained a little bit on on the uh, on the live stream, but you, you have a bit of white tape on your uh, your pads. What, what was that for? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I messaged you afterwards. I was watching through. Um, so I was I, I got my pads cheap off Facebook, as I think every starter goalie needs to. It's a good a good thing to do. Um, a bit short for me, but they do the job, and they are they must be pushing twenty years old. They're all leather straps. They're heavy as all hell, and yeah, uh, they're also black. And so someone suggested, well, white pads are normally more popular because you can see the puck against the rink. And now I wear glasses. Rambo can see in front of me. I wear glasses. I'm short-sighted. I can see the puck against the white. And it occurred to me that certainly there were a couple of moments in training where I realized I couldn't see where the puck was against my pads. So I thought I'd put a little white strip along so I could see the contrast. Not to see the puck entirely, but a bit of white tape just to see the contrast. <laughs> And uh, so, um, what's uh, what's next for you in 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 hockey? Well, um, I finished my masters in September, just just before the season restarts. So I'm moving up to Bedford to live with uh, my girlfriend. And while I'm there, I may be playing with Cushy the Huskies. Maybe I'll roll a hockey team or two around the area if I can get into one of the Milton Keynes rec teams. Just to sort of be playing along and to keep going and to keep on the ice, and then two years time I'm hoping to start at Leeds for my uh, PhD so that will possibly be the next step that they'll have me of course and are you quite excited I think Cambridge is getting an ice rink soon or will have it by the time you're moving there uh, yes I, I think they finished it last month I think but about opening it I think that Cambridge Huskies have said they've had a few issues from my experience at least um, about getting ice time or whatever but new rink will be nice because the, the one that Kent Knight's trainer and Gillingham or Gillingham is um is not the best resource. It's a lovely rink, but a nice new rink will be just what I need to uh, hopefully get myself a bit better.
Okay, um, before before uh, we, we cut cut you off, um, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to in the pod, which means they're more likely to listen, which increases our viewing our listening figures? Well, you know, um, <laughs> I think shout out to, me to all of the Ken Knights. Really, uh, it's been a really good experience this year. It's been great fun. Um, a particular mention goes to Ed Martin for putting up with me asking endless questions on how to play goal. Um, also, probably to, to Colin Elder for lending me his uh, chest and mask. Um, and, yeah, the whole night's have been a really great team. I want to shout to my girlfriend, Emma, just to make her listen to this as well, and her family to definitely pay attention. Excellent stuff. So there you have it. That's uh, Tier 6 All-Star uh, starting goalie, um, Rory the Butcher. Uh, also uh, an all-star from Kent was, uh, of course, Naomi Healy. So it must be something in the water in Kent. Thanks very much, folks. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Um, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Rory the Butcher. Um, this part of the uh, pod has been recorded about a week after uh, the last time we spoke. And uh, we're just back from the EGM. We're both a bit disappointed at that time. But um, we'll move on from that and, uh, and talk talk some puck coming up, uh, Nick. So, uh you guys are back on ice, or you never stop being on ice, is that, is that correct? Um, we had a bit of a break and started again around early August, uh, just pottering about back on the ice, a bit of uh, combined sessions between uh, local people in the northeast who wanted a bit of extra ice time, so it's a nice little return for some people who've perhaps not been on the ice since Nationals or um, had exams and haven't been on since May or anything like that. It's a nice, easy return before um, chucking people into trial sessions and things like that and... Uh, I'm doing self a mischief. <laughs> and uh, and um, Whitley Bay, uh, and imagine, unlike some rinks where it's, you know, it's warmer in the summer or, or whatever, Whitley Bay pretty consistent, I would imagine, same temperature, same smell, same sort of general lack of light. Same smell, same general lack of light, but actually turns into probably the polar opposite in terms of one of the warmest rinks that you could play at. And also uh, the unfortunate thing of, the temperature does have a significant impact on the uh, on the ice quality, unfortunately. Mainly lack of ice. Oh. <laughs> um, so, uh, Nick, I think it's one thing we should maybe maybe address. Um, obviously, this year uh, with the changeover, with a few things, there was there wasn't a summer camp, or there isn't going to be a summer camp, as it were. But but Finland looking uh, looking promising for the winter. Yes, um, due to one reason or another, um, we'll not go into why not. The, unfortunately, we've not managed to secure what we needed for a, for a camp this summer, which I know has disappointed a number of you in terms of, I have had, it's sod's law, I have had quite a lot of people, um, last year I had to go around chasing people to try and get people to attend the camp, and then this year I've had been inundated with responses of people asking when the camp's going to be. But, um, but so that's unfortunate, and we hope to do bring that back in the summer of 2020 or some uh, some fashion of uh, summer camp, wherever that may be in the world. Um, but definitely, yeah, the winter camp uh, had initial talks, obviously, as you're aware, with Andy last week about setting up some of the uh, setting up some of the details, and hopefully uh, should have uh, a package or at least some information to present to people at the um, at the AGM of what the offer is for. Uh, hopefully, I believe again, Viramaki again this winter. Yeah, and uh, I know there was some chat about what potential pro game will go and the the camp would go and see, and uh, it might not be uh, the cuckoo or the coco as uh, as they're called. Um, might be what's the other team? Pelicans. Not, or? Yeah, the Larty Pelicans. Yeah, so um, named of course after uh, the uh, infamous uh, Northumbria D woman. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Nick, um, 
you're, we're talking about ice rinks and, and stuff like that. Um, I think there's pretty big news coming from uh, down south. Uh, we don't maybe cover down south as much as we do, but uh, Cambridge now has an ice rink. Yes, they do. And um, it was down to uh, a lot of hard work from the alumni of Cambridge University. Um, one man in particular I know done a lot of work on it was uh, Bill Harris, and I had the chance to catch up with him a few weeks ago now. Um, first pod interviewee to drop an F-bomb with a base of two or three minutes. Uh, but um, very passionate guy. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll skip to that now and, and let you hear what you had to say. I am joined here with uh, Dr. Bill Harris from Cambridge University. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing very well. And uh, you're looking well yourself as well. Thank you very much. I'm pretty old, but I'm still okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so... Uh, I understand that you came to Cambridge from San Diego. Is that is that correct, or have I looked up wrong information? No, that's correct. I was in San Diego for about 20 years. And uh, what's your sort of hockey journey? How did you get into ice hockey? Well, I, I was I grew up in Toronto, Canada, so I played hockey through my youth um, uh, up through high school, and I went to college in the states, and I continued to uh, find a way to play hockey. In San Diego, it was mostly roller hockey I did for a number of years. Played with a team called the San Diego Hosers Roller Hockey. Um, so I was glad when I came to Cambridge to get back on the ice. Yeah, and uh, you obviously came to Cambridge a few years ago now. Um, you are a doctor in neuroscience here, but I understand you may have retired or be retiring. Is that? I, I retired about a year ago now, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm no longer... a I no longer run a laboratory. I used to run a, a neuroscience, developmental neurobiology laboratory, investigating the de- early development of the brain in frogs and fish and things. Very yeah. interesting, very interesting. I'm just a crummy lawyer, so uh, <laughs> I'm not quite as, uh, as clever as all that. But I'm, I'm not anything anymore. <laughs> and so you, uh, when you came to Cambridge, how did you get involved with the, the Blues ice hockey program? Well, when, it was funny because I was making this decision about coming to Cambridge or not, and I this was back in 1997, and the Internet was uh, not functioning the way it, it does now. Um, and I typed in University of Cambridge just to find out something about it. And somehow, because maybe I was Skype, uh, uh, looking at it from Canada, the first thing it came up with was the ice hockey team. And so there were photos of the ice hockey team, and I said, holy shit, there's an ice hockey team there. So I didn't even know that. So that as soon as I saw that, I I made contact and said, I'm coming to Cambridge. Is there any way I can get involved? And they said, yeah, sure. We'd love you to get involved. And so have you – I understand you've coached them. Have you played for them as well? Well, I never played for the Blues because um, you have to be a student to play for the Blues. But we have a team called the Eskimos, which is more of a recreational team. It was in BYHA for a while, but then um, we had too many ineligible players, so we dropped out of BYHA and joined the English Ice Hockey Association Rec League. So, but we still play the Oxford Vikings in a kind of an annual um, sub um, sub varsity game, you could call it. Um, yeah, so I play with that team. And uh, were you involved in the, uh, the the trip to Switzerland uh, a couple of years ago? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, on the bench. Yeah. 
that freezing cold, freezing cold night. You remember how cold that was? <laughs> and it got got even colder when we lost the game in, in the overtime. And was that your? Uh, um, how, how does that rate amongst your hockey experiences? Obviously, coming from from Canada and, and being in the states. Well, um, the the. The, the Sam Moritz game was amazing. There was there was three um, three games that day. Two of them were uh, no, there were four games that day. I was I was uh, coaching the uh, Eskimos. And I coached the two alumni teams, and I was also on the bench for the Blues game. So it was a lot of hockey in one one day, and it was a pretty good result all around. Great game. Super good game uh, between Oxford and Cambridge, um, and uh, it was hard to beat that goalie. He was he was a star. I think we outshot them a lot, but uh, you know it was a goalie's game. A bit. Um, and before I go into the, the real crux of the matter, you've obviously been around Cambridge for a, a long period of time. Who, who are the sort of standout players that you coached or, or played alongside in that time? Oh well, I don't necessarily want to. Go too 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 much along that line. Um, you know, there was one great player was Eric James, who unfortunately died um, because he got into a car accident and had so much pain that he couldn't couldn't force himself to live. But he was one of our greatest players. Um, we had Andrew Ashcroft, who was um, an NHL draft pick. He didn't get uh, he didn't get. Um, Chosen though, but he was had a number. I said he was a he was an NHL draft number, and he was there at the early years, and he was he was an awesome player. But um, you know, I'm looking for for teams, people not necessarily uh, you know sh- one shining star, but if we can put the team effort together, that makes a difference. Excellent, excellent. And um, well, as I say, we're going to be releasing this pod in a couple of weeks' time, but. There's some exciting news coming from Cambridge in the fact that um, Cambridge now has an ice rink, and you've been heavily involved with the promotion of that. Can you, can you give us a bit of insight as, as to how you got involved in that? Yeah, so as I said, when I came to Cambridge, um, it wasn't long. I can't remember exactly how I found out that a guy named David Gattaker had given a million pounds to the university in his will and um, his dying wish, basically, because uh, he only, that was the majority of his uh, estate, and he gave it to the university to build an ice rink in Cambridge. And I found out that the university had that, and then I said, well, I'm going to make it my mission in life to make that happen. Because, you know, as soon as I got involved in the ice hockey here and saw that the players had to get on a bus, travel about an hour to Peterborough to play on this ice, and then we had three hours there, and then we'd come back in the, you know, at 1 a.m. and get back in Cambridge 2 a.m. in the morning. And it cost a bundle to, to take the bus and it cost a bundle to rent the ice. So I thought, you know, if we could have, if we could have home ice at the university, that would make such a difference. There's a lot of players in Cambridge probably who never even play because it's too much of a commitment because of the cost and the time it takes to play at Peterborough, to practice at Peterborough. Um, so that was my mission in life. And I put together a team uh, we called Cambridge Leisure and Ice Center. as a little company. Um, the university said, that's okay. 
if we have trustees on this company, uh, but they didn't want to have an ice rink themselves, the university. So they allowed us to form this company that if we could get through all the hurdles enough to build the ice rink, they'd release the money to us. So that finally happened, but it took 20 years almost to get to where we are now. 20 years of work. <laughs> so um, it's exciting stuff, though, because as you say, it's been an hour, and I know that Cambridge have, have long been without a, a home um, rink. So uh, can you tell us what the sort of how it's looking now? You know, well, it's a beautiful uh, rink. It's small. It only has seating capacity for about 350. Um, so it's not a big arena, but it's a very well insulated NHL, NHL size ice pad. Um, the ice quality is super. It's just really, really great conditions in the building. Perfect temperature, perfect humidity, perfect ice. That was always the most important thing for me. Wasn't going to compromise on on the ice so it's a very fun it's got four dressing rooms nice showers for the dressing rooms um it's going to be for the public for the most part but due to the fact that uh, cambridge university gave so much money to the ice rink basically all the hard cash came from alumni besides gattaker some other alumni uh, many other alumni donated for the rink um so due to the fact that uh, Cambridge University got so involved, Cambridge University has 10 free hours of ice a week, including a good game slot. So we're going to get some practice time in finally. That should that should make life a lot easier for me scheduling the, the cup season as well, if you've got... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but we have ice every Saturday, 7 to 9. Oh, that's, that's, that's prime time ice time. That's prime ice time. And free. Which is great. That's great. You'll be able to get and people can cycle to the rink, which is uh, awesome as well. Um, yeah, I, I know that that's a, that's certainly a feature I noticed when I was I was down in Oxford last, um, and it's uh, it's definitely a good thing for the local local people to be able to just get to the rink rather than to take a coach for yeah exactly and yeah. whatnot. Um, so uh, what's the plan? Is there what's the plans for when's it likely to open um, and you get your first game and sort of. Yeah, so um, the the rink gets uh, uh, what they call practical completion and and handover to the operators. It's going to be operated by uh, Better or GLL. Um, so they're the operators. Um, they're going to get the rink next Thursday, um, 1st of August, I guess that is. And then they go through a period of uh, testing it out for about a week and then uh, two weeks of a soft opening and then a, a, an opening to the public. So it'll be starting to uh, function for the public in late third week of August, I guess. And then there's going to be a grand opening where all the um, key stakeholders and alumni who gave to the rink uh, are going to come on September 28th. Excellent. And that'll be a party, a champagne, ribbon-cutting kind of thing. That sounds excellent. It's very exciting yeah. times for Cambridge and uh but you're glad to 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 be a a part of that, um, and certainly as as I know, uh, it will go down as as one of the great stories in, in ice hockey, in, as far as I can remember, anyway. <laughs> so well done, and thank you on behalf of I know I'm not from Cambridge, but thank you on behalf of everyone from the BIHA for making it you know 
life easier for people playing hockey. Yeah, and I hope uh, I hope other universities will think this is a good idea. And uh, you know, all, all the all the universities in Canada, of course, have their own ice rinks. A lot of the high schools have their own ice rinks. It'd be great if some of the BUIHA teams, uh, you know, strongholds could have a, a home rink. The ones that don't, anyway. And uh, so, um, obviously, the, uh, you, you're going to have your grand opening. Are you looking forward to seeing that first uh, Cambridge Blues game on the on the ice pad as well? Yeah, I think everybody is. Yeah, that will be fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, I, I, I'm sure there's lots of people, but is there anyone you want to give a particular shout out to on the on the podcast, and then you can tell them about it? It makes them have to listen to get our view, our figures up. <laughs> No, I know I know a lot of people out there in the BYHA, so I say hi to all of them and have a great season. Thank you very much. Okay, take care. So there you go, Nick. Um, that's Bill Harris. Uh, put a lot of work into that, and it sounds like Cambridge alumni themselves have dipped their hands in their pockets, and uh, and they now have an ice rink down there. Um, so uh, well done to Cambridge. Uh, I'm thinking of we and you should perhaps go to the uh, the Oxbridge Varsity this year if we can. 100% Rambo, that's definitely happening. Yeah, I mean, we were, I don't know if people know this, but we were in Switzerland, obviously, a couple of years ago. Um, but this is pretty a big deal. Um, first of all, I think it will be in Cambridge in many, many moons. Um, I've not got Wikipedia in front of me. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, it's a historic occasion, and certainly um, it, that's going to make such a difference to the Cambridge programme and, the, and the, the outlook of hockey in Cambridge in general. It's going to be incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I know that some of them have been in to have a look at it and look around. I saw pictures from one of the guys that used to play Edinburgh and then moved to Cambridge, uh, Ryan McGinley, uh, who's been in the rink been in there. So it's actually looking like a pretty nice facility. Not the biggest of facilities, but pre- pretty decent as well. Yeah, I think uh, they've been, from what I've seen of the design and the, the size of the place, they've been modest. But at the end of the day, it's about getting a, it's a facility at the end of the day. It's a functional facility that they can use for... For the for the means that they need, and and to be fair, best of luck to them. I know to be fair, there is there is a lot of efforts being made by certain parties to try and redevelop and add ice rinks to the country, and it is a, a constant fighting battle. I know um, through one reason or another, I'm involved in obviously I know aware of things going on down in Lee Valley about their development of a potential twin pad rink and and things moving forward down there. Um, some news that came to my attention last week about, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this Rambo, uh, about a new uh, arena getting built in Hull oh, uh, I did not know about that and um, I, the Hull ice rink is decent enough but um, if they were going to take their pro hockey following to the next level they probably do need um, a bit of an upgrade there, uh, particularly when you're watching at certain parts of the ice you have to lean away forward to see the other end and stuff um, but they do do very nice spice chips, so you know um, it swings and roundabouts really. They do, yeah. And the better news there is that this is not a, a replacement ice rink. This is an adi- additional ice rink to hold, from what I've been told. So, and that's uh, excellent. That's what actually you kind of need more than sort of ice rinks just getting revamped, is uh, ice <laughs> because that just means it's the same amount of ice rinks. It's just except it's going to be a nicer ice rink and uh, probably more expensive to hire. And yeah. more mouths to feed, so it's probably better that we have more additional ice rinks than uh, than these revamped ones. I think is there a new one in Leeds as well? Yes, the new one in Leeds that's due to open in November, but I will be very surprised if it does. It's 
Yeah, it's the old Cardiff Blue Tent. The old Cardiff Blue Tent? Oh, that brings back fond memories. I hope that is because uh, that's some point visit, but many, many a fond memory of Cardiff. Um, back when, you know, the Celtic Cup would be a thing. Uh, like, a proper thing. <laughs> True. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that, that's exciting if, uh, if Leeds get a new rink and a new ice pad. Um, the, uh, I know there's a Leeds NIHL 1 or 2, the league's kind of confused me, um, team that's coming coming on the go as well. So, that's uh, it's exciting times. Um, hockey seems to be a little bit on the up and up um, with the people that are uh, that care about the sport anyway. So, um, hopefully that'll, uh, that trend will continue. Um, so, uh, Nick, um, what is what has your summer been like? Because I, mean, I know mine was, I'll take a break from hockey, but that didn't quite happen. <laughs> um, I quite, to be honest, I did quite enjoy kind of getting away from the ice rink for a little while and uh, concentrating on other things. Like, well, I'm sure you could speak as well as I can in terms of sometimes personal lives uh, need a little bit prioritising and work takes over and things like that. But it's been nice to... Um, Nice to get away, and it's also nice that um, you always find yourself, you always talk about that, oh, I want to get, get away from the rink and have a break from hockey. It doesn't take very long before even even sitting on the sofa, you, your mind turns to next year and, and what we need to do better and things like that. And It's always a good time for reflection, I think, the summer. like It's uh, it's a good time that you can go away and have conversations with players or with, with members of the team about about things, and it's not as raw as... Uh, has been in the day-to-day struggle of the season, if you know what I mean. So it's, it is nice to um, have that break to do some thinking. But uh, I think, I think as we discussed slightly before uh, before we got on air, and obviously a little bit before, um, I think attentions are now fully turning towards um, this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we've we've registered a few girls already, and um, we're uh, everyone's I suppose preparing as far as I know up here for Freshers Week in a couple of weeks' time. Um, being sort of the second week in September, so um, it's uh, it's starting to become all systems go again. I know that I'm going to have fixtures to do soon, a couple a couple of months anyway. Um, teams are sending me, some teams have sent me ice times already or put, set them on the system. Thank you to those teams. Um, if the problem is that I can't really start them until I know exactly who's in, um, <laughs> <laughs> so it always becomes a bit of a a mess. But uh, and, uh, and a busy week in November, a uh, busy week in October for me. Um, so, I mean, by all means, if you want to organise friendlies and stuff, then I will approve them and help you get officials. It's not a problem. But um, yeah, thanks for everyone who sent me ice times already, and I can I can at least have a rough idea uh, when I can do double headers for teams that maybe have to travel further or or whatever. So yeah, um, that's that's good stuff. Some teams are organised, some teams I'm not here from until sort of the middle of whenever. Uh, <laughs> so. Middle of October. So, so what was that, Nick? The middle of October, if you were lucky. Yeah, the middle of October, if if we are indeed um, lucky. Uh, Nick, um, I mean, in terms of uh, this season for you, you've been a, a grizzled uh, BIHA vet for a, a long time. Um What's uh, what's your thoughts going in? Is it still as exciting as that first time? Um, I think it's a different feeling. Uh, I think as much as anything else, the first time, uh, not really understanding kind of what you're getting into to an extent, and you don't really appreciate the 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 bigger part of it. And certainly from my first couple of years, a lot of a lot of stuff passed me by in terms of either winning things or or the 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 group that we had, and 
you don't really appreciate it until it's either gone or like you're looking back on it. So I, I think as much as anything else, this is potentially more than likely my last year on the ice to an extent. Um, so I'm just looking forward to enjoying every single minute of it to an extent. And I'm sure there'll be some uh, reminiscing with some of the old guard and some of the other players that I've played with over the years about um, about these seasons. And it's it's always good to have these conversations. And um, but still, it's it's as exciting as ever whenever you have your fresher sessions and you're bringing new players into the club. And that first time that you get the guy that's been emailing you for six months telling you that he used to play semi-professional juniors in X country and Y country and they did this, that, and then you put them on the ice and look like they've got a pair of spoons on their feet. So it, it's all part of the fun. And to be honest, well, you'll be the same, Rambo. You, you enjoy the stuff on the ice as much as you enjoy the stuff off the ice. And it's about the it's about the group and the little hockey family that you create. And um, as we talked about before, the summer's... The summer kind of breaks that up a little bit, but as people start coming back together, it's a nice little family reunion, and then by Christmas, you're sick of the sight of them. Yeah. Well, I think I think this season's going to be a different start for me because this is my first time, I think, um, no, it's probably my second, not the last time, but um, this is my first time with the sort of Rugby World Cup going on at the same time, and as uh, people who know me know, um, I probably uh, follow rugby in terms of watching a sport and and support the sport as much if not probably more than ice hockey in terms of you know I'm a season ticket holder for my for the local professional team I uh, go to all the Scotland home matches so it's going to be a bit weird for me trying to do fixtures and balance all that up at the start of October um I predict that um Scotland will be in the World Cup um I'm not going to go any further than that um and uh and unfortunately, yesterday I watched uh, England looking really, really strong. Um, and I do think they've got a bit of a shot of it. Now, now that I've said that, everyone will start thinking it's coming home and they'll disappoint me. But there you go. Um, so, uh, yeah. I, Just as an insider tip, that's how being an English sportsman works. You, what, you think it's coming home and then and then they disappoint you. Eternal optimism followed by earth-shattering disappointment. <clears throat> Except in, in, uh, when there's a terrible tiebreaker rule in cricket. And then you and then you do win. True. That helped when you invented the sport and wrote all the rules for it. Yeah. <laughs> that's why uh so Scott's a national fish and chip eating champion. Um <laughs> Um so I don't think we'll uh, need to go on and on and on because there's gonna be a lot to talk about in this season, but um if there's one player that you, well we think at this time is coming back from last season that you're looking forward to seeing again, maybe at nationals or, or against Northumbria or whoever um, who's it? Who's it for you this season? Oh, that's a hard question with no no prep. Um, um, okay, well I'm going I'm going for the cop out answer, and I'm going to say um, uh, there's a couple of guys from Northumbria who it was their first years last year, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what now that again, kind of what I was saying in terms of you don't really know what you're getting into club wise and uni wise and BYHA wise. And second year is always a, a telling year to see whether or not someone's really going to kick on and be a massive part of the future. And there's uh, not going to mention any particular names because it's my own club and I don't want to offend people. But there's a couple of couple of guys and girls that uh, I'm looking at in terms of they could have a massive impact uh, not only this season but on the on the future. So um, there's about three three names in my head, but I'll, I'll keep those to myself. But uh, outside of our club, oh. Phew, uh, I don't know. I'm just looking forward to the hockey. Um, well, me too. Me too. Um, uh, from a playing standpoint, I am 
looking forward to, from what I understand, um, Andrew Sagaris coming back um, next year. Certainly at Nationals is a possibility. And uh, and him playing alongside Gus Zimmerman would be uh, pretty cool. Um, yes. Hopefully ah. Gus has recovered well from his injury. Um, and from a, just a general standpoint, I'm looking forward to seeing Justin Racine again and hopefully he's got another cheeseburger for me. Um, so, you know, that's uh, that's where my priorities lie, Nick. And uh, in, the sa- in the same manner that Andy looks forward to seeing you, more than he looks forward to seeing me, because you normally have your mum's baked goods. So uh, it's the same sort of feeling. I still can't believe that cake lasted for a whole week. Yeah, yeah. Well done to Andy having the self-discipline to allow that cake to last a whole week because I know that it would not have lasted a whole week if I'd been. Um, it was a chocolate cake from last week's uh, um which was actually pretty. It was a pretty good meeting and quite enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah I think uh, we'll not go into specific details, but you guys are probably likely to hear at the AGM for those of you who are there and people who aren't there should get it filtered back through your clubs that there are some minor tweaks and some more major overhauls to certain elements, but um, more to follow. Yes. More to follow. Anyway, folks, um, we hope you get going with your registrations. You get do well with your recruiting. Um, if you're a really good non-checking team, do think about going into checking. And uh, we will speak to you all soon after the AGM. See you later. Cheers.